0: what is up everybody this is the tailgaters podcast brought to you by the believe podcast network i am your host kevin borba and today joining me is a special guest chandler mummy from the usa today's longhorns wire chandler how are you doing you ready to talk some college football
1: oh we're doing good today happy to be
0: here we're going to talk some college football across the country and so that's why i have someone from texas because we're going to be diving into basically every corner of the united states and so up first we're going to be talking about this whole episode is who is under the most pressure in every conference. And so we're going to go with the Pac-12, the Big 12, the Big 10, SEC, and the ACC. Um, Chandler, before we start, mm-hmm. are you ready to put the pressure on some people? I'm absolutely ready. It's my favorite thing to do. I love to talk about other people in bad ways. Am I right? <laughs>
1: yeah, always fun.
0: Let's do it. Okay, so starting with the Pac-12 then. My, my neck of the woods, out here in California, Washington, all that. Who is under the most pressure, in your opinion?
1: I think Herm Edwards needs to figure it out at Arizona State in a quick way. Um, those sanctions, the mass exodus, of transfers. I mean, losing a quarterback like Daniels is a pretty big deal, in my opinion. If he doesn't get his shit to, or, sorry. Uh, if he doesn't get it together, sorry. <laughs> uh, if he doesn't get it together this year, I think it's probably time to start looking another direction.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Herm, the Herm Edwards experience started off like – interesting because they were getting a bunch of recruits and they were getting a lot of big name commits. It turns out they weren't doing it the right way, but it was cool on the the surface level. Um I'm actually going to go with the guy that some people refer to as that guy out west. Um mm. I won't call him that word. We'll, we'll say other words, but not that one in particular. Um I'm going to go with USC and Lincoln Riley just because of the magnitude of the movement that they caused this offseason. They literally changed the whole course of college football and the way that we see college football right now, because they got one of the best offensive minds in the sport. They have the arguably the best quarterback in the sport, the best receiver in the sport and the top transfer class in the sport. And so for all that noise to come to a conference, that is probably the weakest power five conference. I -hmm. think it would be if they don't make it to the PAC 12 championship, I think that's a disappointing season. And so I feel like that's a lot of pressure, even though it's only year one. Um, Another thing, they are kind of like the villain. Um, I've been comparing them to the Miami Heat when LeBron James went there with Chris, ba- Chris Bosch and Dwayne Wade. They had that villain vibe. So I feel like a lot of people are going to be rooting against the Heat, or ex- excuse me, against the USC Trojans just because of everything they did this offseason. Um, we do know Oklahoma is going to be rooting against them because their fans are some of the saltiest bunch in the country. And with, rightfully so. The way Lincoln Riley left probably could have been better. Um, I think we saw that a lot this off season, but... Yeah, I'm going USC's under the most pressure just because they have the transfers, they have the high-profile coach, and they have the easy conference, and so and they're going to the Big Ten, and so I feel like a lot of people are going to want to kind of shit on them if they don't do well, and so a lot of eyes on USC. Um, US when USC is good, college football is good, but it's there's going to be a lot of pressure on them. I'm also going to throw in Utah as an honorable mention just because. Yeah. They, they are the probably the closest team that the Pac-12 has to a playoff team this, off se- or this mm. season. Um, but they have a very tough schedule. They have to go through a gauntlet. They start off week one with Florida in the Swamp, which will be no t- easy task. And so Utah is my honorable mention. Um, just something about running it back. It always worries me. It gives me flashbacks to when Matt Barkley and USC tried to run it back, and it just didn't work, and they went seven and six. I'm not wishing that upon Utah, but it could always happen. You never know. And so that's who we got for the Pac-12. Um, let's work our way a little bit east, and we'll go to your neck of the woods, the Big 12. Who do you got?
1: Who's under the most pressure? I'm going to go Texas defense coordinator Pete Kwiatkowski.
0: Okay. Um,
1: offensively, Texas should be just fine, if not exceptional. Um, I mean, they got Quinn Ewers, B. John Robinson, Xavier Worthy, tons of weapons, Sark's I believe in Stark to figure that side of the ball out. Defensively, it's a different story. I don't think they made the improvements personnel-wise that I would have liked to see. So it kind of just comes down to him and developing those guys that he has. And we didn't really see that much last year. I don't feel like they got better as the season progressed. And it's that's usually what I kind of look for in a first-year coach. And now he's got Gary Patterson kind of breathing down his neck. And I guarantee you after a fifty point giving up 50 points to Alabama or something similar to the beginning of the season, and first of all just we just need to stop the run like if we can find a way to do that consistently his job will be safe but if not there's going to be a lot of people calling for his neck pretty early on
0: yeah and chandler is a texas insider for longhorns wire by the powered by the usa today um so to hear that uh, coach k out there is not sitting so well with the fan base is a little disheartening just because when they got him, it was supposed to be like a really legit hire. Um, I just don't know. It just hasn't been working out. Um, I think we're seeing the leftover pieces of the Tom Herman experience and how thin they were practically everywhere. Um, but, yeah, I like that you mentioned Gary Patterson breathing down his neck. Um, do you think Gary Patterson is there at, to help and also be a contingency plan if
1: the time comes? I think it – um ho- Sark is hoping that doesn't have to happen, but I do think it is kind of in his ideas that it could like if they have a season another like another season as bad as it was last year Gary Patterson's a perfect replacement um he knows the conference knows defense he's gonna be able to focus more just on the defense not being a head coach and not having to worry about it it was his time was up at t c u he did an amazing job there for a long time. I think getting him more focused on one side of the ball will bring back kind of his defensive genius that got him so far at t c u
0: yeah, I think I I was actually going to go to Texas too, but for a different reason. I do think the defense needs a lot of work, but I think mm-hmm. just the amount of hype that the program has right now is, I feel like is almost at an all time high in terms of like post Colt McCoy and post post Vince Young. Um, I think Quinn Ewers coming in, all the the top five recruiting class that they brought in, the offensive line guys that really need to step in and play. I think that's a lot of pressure, but. I'm gonna change. I'm gonna go across the Red River and go to Oklahoma and Brett Venables, just because Oklahoma went from Stoops to Lincoln Riley, and that was like a a handoff that everybody was expecting because Lincoln Riley was up next, and Stoops did it because he didn't want Lincoln Riley to go elsewhere. He wanted him for the program, but now they're going to Venables, who this is his first time as a head coach. Um, they lost Caleb Williams, they lost Mario Williams, a um, lot of a lot of key players, and. A first-time head coach in a conference that's kind of weak, but everybody's gunning for that top spot. And Oklahoma's a program that is accustomed to being in the Big 12 championship last year ended their streak of not only being in it, but winning the Big 12 championship for what would have been their seventh year in a row, I believe. And so I think a lot of people are going to be looking at Brent Venables and kind of comparing him to Lincoln Riley, which I don't think is fair because he's a very different coach. Um, But I still think there's going to be a lot of pressure there. Um, There's a new culture. uh, People... I think Oklahoma fans in general want Oklahoma to do as well as USC, regardless of whatever happens. Like if USC goes seven and five, like Oklahoma wants to go eight and four. Like, I think that's going to be their big comparison the whole off season and the whole season, excuse me. And so, yeah, I'm going Oklahoma. Texas is also under my watch. I think Sarkeesian is kind of under pressure too, just because he got a year to bring in more of his guys. And while a lot of them are freshmen and some transfers, I I think Texas fans and – college football world wants to see some results is that fair to
1: say oh 100 if i mean you could have mentioned quinn ewers as a player that has the most pressure on him or whoever wins the quarterback battle because let's say hudson wins it and goes out there and struggles he's going to have quinn everyone's going to be calling for quinn and vice versa um and then with getting arch manning is a quarterback goes out there and struggles he's going to look at that and potentially have second thoughts and there's just a lot of pressure on this season kind of would set up the future of the program in a good way, a really bad way. I don't think there's much in between.
0: What's what's a successful season in your eyes for Texas?
1: I think eight and four, nine and three, beating Oklahoma, and okay. just overall trending in the right direction. It's maybe a record won't have to be the right idea, but if people can visibly see that Texas is getting better from week mm-hmm. one to the end of the season, I think they're going to be heading in the right direction.
0: Yeah, that's that's where the pressure comes though, because you gotta see that improvement. And like you said, the defense is probably gonna be the Achilles heel of that team because they're probably gonna drop forty five a game. Yeah. But whether or not they're dropping forty five to catch their team sixty, that that's gonna be up to the defense. Um, Mm -hmm. We're gonna slide on over a little more and head on over to the SEC. We'll go down south. Um, Who do you have that's under the most pressure in the conference? That everybody thinks is the best, which they are the best. The conference that reigns supreme. <laughs> I'm going to
1: go Brian Kelly at LSU. Okay. Um, his initial, initial, I guess, introduction to Louisiana was a little funny because of his fake Southern accent. And just his overall culture doesn't seem like it's a great fit there. But he, I do think he is a great football coach. Um, the success speaks for itself at Notre Dame. But, I mean, you got to remember Notre Dame, or LSU just fired Edge Ogeron two years after a national championship winning season. That is not a program where you can go in and go 7-5 and five or 8-4 and four and be okay for very long. And I just don't know if they have the roster right now to have the year they're kind of expecting. So I think there is a lot of pressure there to figure out the quarterback situation quickly, figure out how to get a consistent offense. They had that for the one year under Burrow. But if you take away that season, that's been a constant issue for LSU over the last decade. Um, so I think there's a lot of pressure there yeah i think I think you're right on the dot with that.
0: um Brian Kelly is going from a program where he always had like a makeshift excuse because Notre mm-hmm. Dame does have academic requirements and so that was kind of like always the fallback thing, whereas like they did so well even with academic requirements or they they struggled, but it's hard to recruit because of the academic requirements and stuff like that. But now LSU, I don't want to say anybody could get in, but they have their pick of the litter. And so he has to keep recruiting strong, and he has to keep the program up. Um, I think the quarterback decision is going to be a lot harder than a lot of us expected because you have uh, the Arizona State transfer, Miles Brennan, and then Garrett Nussmeier, or however you say his last name. Yeah, he's, a good he's 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 a good player. And they got three guys that have all kind of besides Garrett, the other two guys have both proven Jalen Daniels have that they could play. They mm-hmm. they could play. They could play at a high level. Um Miles Brennan has injury issues. And so I think the last thing you need, and Texas had this issue last year, is rotating quarterbacks because yeah. In most cases, they say if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. So if you have three quarterbacks, I don't even know what that means. That, that means you have like negative one because that is a horrible scenario to be in if you pick the wrong one from the start. And Texas saw that last year when they picked uh, Hudson Carr to start the season off. Whether that was the wrong choice, it seemed like the wrong choice for that time. But yeah, I think that's a good call. I'm going to go with the defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. Um, I think the pressure to defend their title is... Because that was the first title George's won in however long, like forever it felt like. Cool. Yeah. And so they finally overcame that, that hump of like not being good enough because it was always George's right there. They're just a quarterback away. Well, they got their quarterback and JT Daniels and turns out they didn't need him. They just needed arguably the best defense that college football has ever seen. But touching on that defense, they lost a majority of their starters to the NFL. And so, I mean, when you know that you're good, you always want to see your players leave and go to the NFL but it's hard to replace those guys. There's no guarantee that they're going to get the same production from the guys coming in and trying to fill those shoes. And something about Alabama coming off a down year, quote-unquote down year, this is a podcast, so you can't see me, but air quotes on down year, um, That that's a little terrifying to me. Um, they, Alabama went to the transfer portal, got Jameer Gibbs. They got a lot of reinforcements. They took Georgia's best receiver. Um,
1: yeah, how about Bart- that?
0: Yeah, and so <laughs> Georgia is – The spotlight's going to be on them, and I think it's going to be on Stetson Bennett because they let JT Daniels walk. There was, I'm sure they had talks with him about what his role was, but ultimately he felt that his best role was elsewhere. And so Stetson Bennett has to prove that Georgia can win a championship with him, not in spite of him or despite him being there. Um, I don't know if he can game manage his way to a natty this year, which, I mean, he he showed that he could play well, but I think he's going to have to turn it up a lot this year. But yeah, I'm going Georgia. LSU, great pick. Who else could be under pressure in the SEC that we're not thinking of? I feel like the SEC is just there's there's a lot of people.
1: I think A and M needs to get past that eight and four, nine and three window, especially coming off that number one recruiting class. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because as good as Jimbo's been as a recruiter, they had the COVID year that they played really well, but I need to see more out of that offense because I do think they're they kind of are like a mini version of Georgia where they have they're building that elite defense. Where they can compete at the highest level, and if they just get that offense, doesn't have to be elite, but just be above average to really good, they they could be. I mean, a play, knocking on the door of the playoff immediately, and that's a scary sight. But I think there's pressure to start getting that done.
0: Yeah, I think I think especially when you engrave a, a Jimbo's name on a championship trophy when he takes the job, I mean, they, that that engraving has to come true eventually, right?
1: I, I think mean, another spotlight. They need to take advantage of it now.
0: Oh yeah, exactly. Because when you sign that number one class, it doesn't matter how they were doing it. They were methods were used. Methods were legal. Whether they like to be called about out, called out about their methods is a different story. But they have the, the talent. It's just putting it together and utilizing the talent before things go awry. Um, I'm going to throw out another team just to get your reaction. The reaction from the SEC, Kentucky. Um, yeah, they got they, real left they got Will Levis who some people are considering the third best quarterback in the country behind Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Um they have arguably their best running back trio they've had this whole little run they've been on with Mar- with Mark Stoops as the head coach and so I think this is I don't this isn't a playoff year for Kentucky. I don't know if the program is ever going to be like it's playoff or bust, but this is maybe SEC championship appearance or New Year's Six appearance for S- for Kentucky or bust. Um there's also pressure because Stoops went on Twitter today and was calling out Coach Calipari for calling Kentucky a basketball school. So, if you're going to call yourself a football school, you got to show your show that you're a football school. Am I right? One hundred percent. Yeah. So we got we got four schools in the SEC. We're turning the pressure all the way up. They got humidity and pressure now. Take that, the South. Um, so now, let's go. You want to go ACC? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, ACC. Who's under the pressure?
1: I mean, I know it's by far and away the best program in the ACC right now, but I'm going to say Clemson.
0: Okay. Um,
1: there's a lot of panic there that that dynasty that they were on might be kind of fading, and I think this year is a big year to prove that they're still they're still Clemson, you know, and Dabo's still one of the best coaches in the country. Quarterback situation's got to get figured out, whether it's DJ, whether it's Cade Klobnik. Um The defense should be good. They lost a lot, but I have confidence that they'll be able to figure it back out, even without Venables. Um, The Mm -hmm. personnel is there for it, Um, but I think there's a big pressure on them to not only make the conference championship but win it um, and get back on their winning ways into the playoffs. Yeah, I think
0: Clemson because they're trying to their whole thing is they want to do things "quote unquote" the right way. So Mm -hmm. Dabo Swinney is anti-transfer portal, oddly enough. Um, He's anti-transfer portal, and he's I won't say he's anti-nil, but he's not a fan of how it's changing the sport. And so Clemson Mm -hmm. is basically trying to see if their old ways can still work in a time where college football is changing, the transfer portal is as relevant as ever, NIL is going to impact the sport until there's rules that modify it. Um, So I love that pick. I'm going to go... I have an individual on Clemson that I'm going to call out, and that's DJ Uyungle, at quarterback. Mm -hmm. Um, When you are the heir to Trevor Lawrence, um, that's no easy task. Uh, I would say he when he was the backup to Trevor Lawrence, he showed a lot more flashes than what we saw last year. Um, but I think the worst job or the worst position to be in and call football is a starting quarterback with a five-star that's waiting behind you that the fan base wants to see. And that's the, that's the position he finds himself in. Cause like you mentioned, kid club is, was the number one quarterback in the class. Um, he looks the part The mm-hmm. in the elite 11 he looked the part in the spring game, he looked the part. And so, D.J. has that pressure. Dabo's going to stick with him because I think Dabo knows what D.J. can be. But I think he's going to be on a shorter leash than Dabo wants to realize. But I will give D.J. somewhat of the benefit of the doubt because he had a sprained knee. He had an injury to his index finger on his throwing hand last year. But when you see his stat line of nine touchdowns, 10 interceptions and a 55 percent completion percentage, that's not great. And so Clemson... Or in ESPN's F- FPI has a 57% chance to make the playoffs. So they're they had 10 wins with a struggling quarterback. So if DJ's not doing well and they put Klebnik in, and that's the key, then DJ's time as a Clemson Tiger might be over. Um I've seen, I've also read that he has made the adjustments to his body. He's down 26 pounds. He was playing at 260 last year, and he's now down to 234. And so it's nice to see that he's making the efforts to fight for his position, fight for his starting spot. But I think there's a ton of pressure on him. And like I said, worst position to be in in college football is a starter when the fan base wants the five-star behind you. Ask Spencer Rattler, you know?
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, Another school or another person, group that I'm putting the pressure on is North Carolina State. Um, This Mm -hmm. is their year. This is their year. They're the underdog to win the ACC. And so they got Devin Leary. They have the defense. They have all the components of a team that can contend in the ACC. Um, And you hate to see things like this, but Wake Forest's Sam Hartman is um, gone for a certain amount of time due to a medical condition that he was just diagnosed with yesterday. And so not that we want to see those things, but that just makes NC State's path a little bit easier. And so if you can't make it to the ACC championship, at least this year, I don't know
1: when the window might be closed. 100%. I agree with that. I have them as a... dark horse playoff contender right now they can remind me a little bit of that pit team from last year who made a Mm. good run by the end of the season i like like that
0: and they they could determine their fate quickly they have they play clemson week five and if they beat clemson they're kind of in they control their fate because that'll be a signature win um for their playoff resume um that'll put them in great standing for the acc and so they control their fate they have 18 returning starters and so nc state step up to the plate yeah they're We're either getting a a walk-off home run or we're getting a ground out to third. I I would hate to see the ground out to third, but the pressure is on. Okay, and now we are making our way to the Big Ten. And arguably, some might say this conference has some of the most pressure. Um, Who do you have being under the most pressure in the Big Ten?
1: I'm going to go Ryan Day at Ohio State because they consistently put out offenses and – I mean it's Ohio State they have it's a national championship or bust every single year for the most part and they got Stroud they got Jackson Smith this needs to be the year that they put the defense together to pair with that championship level offense and make it happen it kind of feels like in my opinion it's a Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia top tier of the college football landscape and losing to Michigan at the end of last season seemed to leave a bitter taste in their mouth and I think they can't have a repeat of that or there's going to be some question ranks about Ryan Day. I mean, Urban Meyer never lost to Michigan. Ryan Day already has. And yeah. I think I think they're going to put it together this year, but there's a lot of pressure on them to do that.
0: Yeah, I think coming off that Rose Bowl appearance, we saw what they have in their up-and-coming receivers. Um, we also saw arguably one of the most underrated hires this offseason in their defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles. Um, someone who Josh Pate from 24-7 called the biggest hire of the offseason or one of the most important people of the college football season. So Ryan day is like, that's the, that's the, the territory that comes with being at a blue blood program like that is just because you win 10 or 11 games every year, doesn't mean your job's safe. You got to get over that hump. You got to win the championship. And so that's, that's a lot of pressure to be under, to be perfect is basically what the standard is. So anything besides perfection is not what they want to see. I'm going to go with their biggest rival and say that Michigan is under the most pressure just because They had the best season under Harbaugh they've had in his whole tenure there. Um, They won their first Big Ten title since 2004, made their first playoff game, and they're returning a lot of good talent. They have the best offensive line in the country or arguably one of the best in the the country. Um, They have the weapons. They have a quarterback battle that I don't think many people thought would have carried over into this year, but Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy are dueling it out again. And so I think the pressure is on the program to not only uh, maintain success. I think the pressure is on Harbaugh to pick the right quarterback. But you can't beat Ohio State one year, act like that's your Super Bowl victory or your national championship, whatever you may have you, and be like, okay, we're done. We did it that one year like they have to sustain the success because just a year ago, Harbaugh was on the hot seat. Like He was Mm -hmm. the one that was under the most pressure. And so I'm going to keep that pressure on because I need to show that what it wasn't a fluke. Uh, I need I need to see that they can continue to compete with Ohio State because for the longest time, Ohio State was just barn burning everybody, destroying everybody that came in their path, and Michigan was just the little brother. So I need to see that they're not the little brother anymore. I need to see that they can maintain, keep that success, sustain that success. Otherwise, Harbaugh might find himself under, on the hot seat again.
1: Yeah, I agree. If they go back to the 9-3 and three kind of slump that they were in before last season, I mean, they're just going to be back in that same boat they were in from 2016 whenever they hired Harbaugh all the way till last year. And it's going to feel like last year was kind of just a, an outlier.
0: Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Um, is there pressure on Mel Tucker? Do, are we going to start putting pressure on Mel Tucker and the transfer portal like scheme? Are we putting pressure on that or not yet? Because he had success, but we saw it fizzle out at the end.
1: I don't know. I don't think there's as much pressure being at Michigan State. Right, And I think he's yeah. going to have a pretty good team. But there's some pressure there because, I mean, in my opinion, if I was a recruit seeing a guy going to the transfer portal consistently, it's going to be hard to want to be there as a recruit, you know. Um, and if the transfer portal method works, it works. And he's going to be able to keep doing it. But if they have a down year again, like they did the year before, where I think that COVID year they won like two or three games tops. They just did not look good. Um, It could be a big struggle, and they have a lot to replace from last season's team.
0: Yeah, they they lost a guy that in the eyes of many could have won the Heisman, so Mm -hmm. that's always tough. Okay, I have a question for you. Who is someone that's under pressure in the eyes of the world that you don't think is under that much pressure? could be any conference. Ooh. That's a tough one. I know I'm making you dig deep because – People are putting the pressure on everybody. so
1: I'll Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. Oh, okay. I think, defend Mike Gundy. Defend the mullet. I'll defend the mullet here for a little bit. I think he had he's building the program in the right way. He's going to be, when Texas-Oklahoma leave, they're going to be kind of that program, one of the top-tier programs in the Big 12 Conference remaining. Even if he did have a little bit less of a down year this year, which I, I would consider in the 8-4 and four range. I think his job is safe. He's been there long enough. There's not really anyone at Oklahoma State I could see them hiring. That would be a major upgrade that would cause um, for change. So I do think he's safe. Um, and I think the fact that he lost most of that defense and defensive coordinator is going to keep keep him in good graces. Yeah. I don't want that excuse, but.
0: It, I mean, sometimes there's always a built-in excuse. Mm-hmm. We. Every, every coach had one. I think Tom Herman's built-in excuse was when Qu- Quinn was committed. I think mm-hmm. that was kind of like the, wait, Quinn's coming. But then he wasn't. And so goodbye, Tom Herman. Uh, I'm going to go to the ACC. And I must say Scott Satterfield from Louisville, the head coach, is under a lot of pressure to kind of take that next step. This program has been habitually mediocre. But I think Malik Cunningham, their quarterback, is going to peak at the right time and – basically save the program or save Scott Satterfield's job because this is Malik Cunningham's prove it season and this is Satterfield's proven season. So I think that's another, another coach that might be feeling the heat and we might be able to turn the heat off a little bit, you know, take the pressure off. Um, another one, Mike Norvell from Florida state. I think oh, wow. with, a really? good, with a good, yeah, with a good season, you can't so, argue with when.
1: Florida state at this point.
0: A good season for Norvell. Well, at the way at the rate he's going, I think eight wins is probably a good season. Whether that's going to happen or not, I don't know. But I think some wins could really save his save his job, put him in good graces. Uh, I also want to say Brian Harson, but I feel like this Auburn marriage is just destined to fail, um, especially after yeah. that scandal yeah. this past off. Yeah, this past off season, I think it, they're just destined to fail, and I think it's like both parties don't like each other. Um, they don't really have a good quarterback situation, so I think. I don't think he should be under pressure, but I feel like he will be, so I feel like I'm contradicting myself, but he shouldn't be under pressure. But whether the Auburn administration is going to follow through with their good faith that they are apparently offering him, we don't know. Who's Uh, the coach that that you're most excited for, or anyone that was under pressure this past season?
1: I am really, really excited to see – well, okay. As a Longhorn fan, I'm not excited, but as a college football fan, I'm excited to see what Dave Veranda does um, mm. coming off of a big year because yeah. I do think he's one of the best minds in college football. I, I've liked him a lot since he was defense coordinator at LSU. There's expectations now. Like last year they were picked eighth in the Big 12. Not a lot of pressure there. This year they're the favorites. But I want to see what Blake Shapin has to do at quarterback. I do think that offense can improve from last season. And if Aranda could find a way to replicate that defensive success after losing, I think seven or eight starters, I mean, Baylor's going to be a scary team to watch for a long time now. Cause I don't see what could stop them.
0: Oh yeah. I, that's a great pick actually, because Baylor went from like that humble underdog where it's like, it's a great story. They had two wins the year before. And now it's like, okay, Baylor, you won the big 12. Um, do it again. Um, contend for the playoff. That's a great pick. I love that pick. Oh, uh, Honestly, even though I asked the question, it's a tough one to think of, just because yeah. there's, there's so many people under that pressure. Uh, you know who I'm going to go with? Chip Kelly. Oh, okay. Kelly, okay. UCLA should be poised for a huge season. Um, they got Dorian mm-hmm. Thompson-Robinson, who Alon Sports ranked as the 15th best quarterback in the country, or 16th, 15th, 16th. Um, they... They beat LSU last year, um, even in the sissy blue. And they kind of fizzled out after that. They lost to Fresno State. They lost They lost games they shouldn't have. And so this could be a, a no-pressure situation or put some pressure. But I think Chip Kelly and the Bruins kind of take the pressure off themselves
1: just by I having a good season. That big spotlight at USC is kind of taking a little bit of the pressure. I mean, obviously there's pressure to beat your rival, but it's taking about the national spotlight away from them. And they can kind of fly under the radar a little bit. And everyone looking at Utah, USC, and Oregon in the Pac-12, I wouldn't be surprised if UCLA is right there in the Pac-12 championship at the end of the year.
0: Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot again. Conference by conference, power five. Who is winning the conference? So we we'll go. go pac Rapid fire, Pac-12. Utah. Utah. Love it. Big 12.
1: On the fence between Baylor and Oklahoma, I'm going to go Baylor. Baylor, okay. Big Ten. Ohio State.
0: Okay. ACC. NC State. SEC.
1: And Alabama. Okay. No Miami love in the ACC?
0: <laughs>
1: not yet. I think I do like crystal ball a lot, but I think they're going to be a couple years away. I do okay. think that's not for that program.
0: I respect it. I, I think I agree with you. Utah for the Pac-12, SEC, Bama. Um, I'm honestly scared for the college football world, especially Texas week two for Alabama. Um, this is yeah, like a revenge bad. tour. A revenge tour. And so we, we don't get to see the Bama revenge tour frequently. Um, Big 12, I this might sound like a homer, even though I'm not from Texas. I'm a Texas fan. Um, I'm going to Texas. Um, I think they could go with the Oklahoma route and just outscore everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's very easy to do in the Big 12, especially when there's really no offense like theirs, and maybe, maybe Oklahoma's the only one that is similar. Uh, I think they're going to be high octane and can just outshoot everybody. Um, so, yeah, Big 10, I'm going to go Ohio State. Part of me wants to say that Michigan can defend it, but I just don't. I think I think they were one-hit wonder. And so then too. ACC, I'm going to go Clemson against my – my heart tells me North Carolina State by just some something something about these underrated teams that are like this is their year it just feels like it's never their year i don't know
1: yeah it's usually like, the under the people you don't expect that has the underdog story not the ones that you kind of see it lining yeah, up uh, that's no, why i'm a once fan you fan of too
0: yeah once you label someone an underdog that kid like win the conference championship their whole underdog thing is gone because now we're expecting them to win the conference championship so Naturally, that means a school like Virginia Tech's going to win it or something. <laughs> Chandler, I appreciate you coming on today. Um, tell the people where they could find you.
1: Uh, CJ Mummy on Twitter, and that's actually all my social media. Um, follow us on Longhorns Wire um, still for Powered by USA Today. We've got a big season in front of us. Um, yeah,
0: that's you nice. do. A years experience coming. Thank you, Chandler, for joining us. This is the, the Public Public Public. Podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm your host, Kevin Borba. We will see you guys when college football starts. Keep kicking. Keep watching college football, and let's put some pressure on some people.